That's good. Hey, if we haven't met, as Ivy said, my name's Adam. I'm glad you're here. It's great to see a lot of y'all on campus. Let me welcome everybody joining us online. Now, if you are jumping in for the first time today, uh, we have been in this book in the Bible called 1 John all summer, uh, Walking in the Light, as we got to sing earlier today. And uh, God's done some good things in this teaching series. Now, let me tell you how we're gonna wrap it all up, okay? The title of today's message, and the way we're gonna wrap up this entire teaching series is Long Distance Walking. Now, I did Google that. It is a thing, okay? So if Google says it's true, it must be true, all right? So here's the idea. What does it actually look like to walk in the light for the long haul? I mean, we wanna walk in the light. We wanna be in the light. Here's the question. How do we stay in the light? See, we wanna get to the end of our life one day and look back, not for perfection, not for performance, but did my heart stay on track with the Lord? Did I keep walking in the light when life got difficult? Did I keep walking in the light when things were good and it didn't really feel like I needed God? And, and what's interesting about the way John ends this book is he doesn't really kind of tie it up with a nice, neat bow and, and kind of say, and, and so long from John. He, he kind of leaves us with some challenges, and I like that. Because when we finish reading a book of the Bible, it's, it's now what we're going to do with what we've read. And so what we're going to do today to walk with God for the long haul is let this passage challenge us with five very specific practices. They're action steps. And, and what I'm challenging you to do is to put these action step, steps into practice for the long haul so that we can keep walking with God over the long haul, all right? So hopefully you got some paper. If you wanna jot down some notes, if you like to do it the digital way, uh, you can do that as well. But I would encourage you to jot these applications down. I think the Lord has a lot he wants to say to you today. But we're gonna start in verse 14 of chapter five. And let me, before I start, say this. There's five points, and I'm gonna spend a whole lot of time on the first one. I forgot to tell the last service that, and they looked bewildered, okay? So, uh, because I just kept going, and kept going on point one, like, we got four more of these, all right? So I had to kind of tell them, we're good, all right? So the first one, we're gonna camp out for a little while, okay? And then the other four, we'll get to those as well, but I did make sure, I wanna make sure you know that, okay? Verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Now, I gotta be honest with y'all, I almost didn't make it past this part, okay? Like, I, I sat down, and I'm like, God, we gotta finish up 1 John, and then I read that. It's not even a whole verse. It's just the first part of verse 14, and it kind of wrecked me a little bit because what it says is that we actually get to approach God. I don't know if you've ever approached someone who's an authority and you were a little worried about how that conversation might go, Okay? You ever approach someone who's stronger than you and you wanna make sure you don't upset them? Well, what this verse is saying is we actually get to approach God. He's the creator of everything, the creator of the universe. In fact, God spoke light into existence and light hasn't stopped obeying that command to the extent that we now have galaxies millions of light years away because light is continuing to obey God. So it's this big, vast, great God that we actually get to approach. And not only that, we get to have some confidence, like we can step up to God and talk to him. It's an amazing thing that God's word says. And here's what else it says, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. When you talk to God, listen to me, same big God that our minds can't fathom or comprehend. When you talk to God, he actually hears you. Remarkable. I mean, sometimes my own kids say things, I don't wanna listen to them, right? And God... Hears us as his children, remarkable. Verse 15, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked 
of him. So if you wanna walk with God for the long haul, here's the first practice that I would challenge you with. Fully access the full access you have to God. I don't think some of y'all heard me. Fully access the full access you have to God. A little better. You get to talk to God. You get to talk to God. You don't have to go through another person. You don't have to go through a pastor or a priest or a life group leader or someone else. Now, it's good to have people pray for you and pray over you. We have a prayer team available at the end of every service and they will pray for you and they will pray over you, but you have full access to God. You could talk to God about anything that's going on in your life. You, you can make you can make requests of God. You can ask anything of God. And what we're talking about actually is this word called prayer. That's what prayer is. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is taking advantage of the full access you have, not because of what you've done, but because of the salvation you've experienced in and through Jesus Christ. But see, for a lot of Christians, prayer can be a very difficult thing. It can be a challenge. We don't always know exactly where to start. So in a couple of weeks, two weeks from today, we're gonna kick off our brand new series, and it's going to be called Bold Prayers. And what we're gonna do for about a month is we're gonna go through some guys and gals from the Old Testament, Old Testament characters who prayed bold prayers. I mean, they just kind of put it all out there on the line. And if God didn't come through for them, they were gonna be in big trouble. And what we're gonna see from these bold prayers is what our God did, but what we're gonna be reminded of is this is the same God we worship today. And this is the same God that when we look into the New Testament actually lays out some things that he requires of us to ask of him. So it's gonna be a really powerful series and I wanna encourage you to make a commitment to be a part of it. But I also wanna, I want you to know where the title came from. So the whole idea of praying a bold prayer uh, kind of came from uh, the last year of our life. And so if you're here last week, I shared a little bit of my testimony about how God called me in the ministry in the age of 18. And I said, uh, this next week, um, I wanna share a little bit with you about how God called me here to New Hope Church. And so I gotta take you back to June of 2022. That was last year, right? They all kind of start to run together, all the older you get, all right? So last June, 2022, we are on a family vacation and I'm doing my devotional time one morning and um, it hits me, it's June. And I love the month of June for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that was the month way back in the year 2000 that I started in full-time ministry. So I graduated college and then I started in full-time ministry. The first church I worked at was called North Star Church, Kennesaw, Georgia, incredible church. And I was the middle school pastor. I love middle school students. I think they're fantastic. I think we should let them run the world. I think it'd be awesome, right? <laughs> Interesting, but awesome, okay? So I love middle school students, I always have. So I'm a middle school pastor, and then later that year I get ordained, and so it's always been kind of easy to keep up with how many years I've been in ministry, because it was the year 2000, and each year kind of rolls off, and so every June I kind of reminisce on some of the things I've seen God do over the year, and some of the things we got to be a part of, my wife and I, and it's just kind of a great month of reflection. But on this particular day, in that particular June, I had a different type of emotion because I started doing math. Now that's not a strength of mine, okay? But I started doing some math. And what I realized last June, as I was 43 years old, so I'm 44 now, I was 43 then, and I started full-time ministry when I was 21 years old. And I've been doing it for 22 years, and I'm 43. And I don't know how long God will give me, but if, if he's good enough to give me uh, more years, 65 is kind of a number, you know, you, you kind of look at, you know, numbers are just numbers, but, but it hit me 
Like if you do this until you're 65, you're halfway done. You've been doing this for 22 years. You got 22 left. And it's about the closest to a midlife crisis I've ever gone into, church, okay? <laughs> like I didn't buy a sports car or anything like that, but I did kind of think, wait a second, how did that happen? Am I really halfway through? And so I just decided for about six weeks to, to really take that before the Lord. And the prayer went something like this. Hey God, these last 22 years have been amazing. Like you've let us be a part of some pretty incredible things and we will forever be grateful. But God, as we look towards the next 22 years or the next 20 to 25 years, I'm gonna ask some things of you. The first thing I'm gonna ask is that you would allow me to stay in one place for the rest of the years you give me in ministry because we've moved around a lot and it's always been really good and it's always been for great opportunities and we've loved being a part of some amazing teams. But, but God, I really wanna be in one place. And, and God, the best I can tell, we are in that place. I'll tell you more about that here in a second. But God, I wanna come back to that original call you placed on my life, which is a call to availability. So God, I just wanna declare, like I wanna be in one place, but I also wanna declare I'm available for you to place me wherever you want me, but here's the request I'm making of you. I, I want to spend the next 20 to 25 years making a greater kingdom impact than the first 22 years. And that was a bold prayer because we've been a part of some amazing things, not because of anything we did, but because we've just seen God do some amazing things. But, but at the end of the day, like I don't wanna get to my life and look back and think I missed out. I don't wanna to get to the end of my life and look back and go, I played it safe. I always did what seemed to make sense. No, I wanna to get to the end of my life and go, look what I got to be a part of. Look at what God did. Look at the kingdom impact I got to be a part of. That's what gets me up every single morning. So I just said, let's just talk about that, Lord. Let's just talk about that. Now back to why I didn't wanna leave, okay? We really liked it where we were at. So we were serving at an amazing church in Montgomery, Alabama, the capital city of Alabama called Vaughn Forest Church, planted in 1994. And we were seeing God do some remarkable things. So this is summer of 2022, and we, we have more people than we had before the pandemic, and that's not normal. And that's not because we were awesome, that's because God is awesome, and he just decided to pour out his spirit in our church. So that's kind of what we're living and we're trying to hire people left and right and God's giving us opportunities in the community and we're seeing people get saved and we're baptizing people and we're making disciples and it is awesome. And so I just kind of said, hey God, if, if this is where you want me to be for greater kingdom impact, let's go. This is an amazing church and we love it here. We love living here. Our boys love their school and, and God, my yes is on the table. Love Vaughn Forest Church. But God, if you wanna call me somewhere else, again, call to availability, um, Let's kind of make that happen in the next two years. Because I don't wanna move once Sam starts high school. Our oldest son's named Sam. He was getting ready to go into the seventh grade. And I just, in my heart, Psalm 37, four says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. I just said, Lord, I don't wanna move once our oldest child starts high school. And so God, could you just clarify that? Could you just, so about six weeks of prayer and then school starts and you know, when this new school year starts, you know, you lower your head, you keep your feet moving. That's just kind of how it works, okay? It's just busy. There's just a lot going on. And so we're just doing ministry and doing life and coaching football and coaching basketball and doing all of the wonderful things. And, and then we get into the new year and then earlier this year, earlier in 2023, someone who I've known for a long time, he's kind of watched me grow up in ministry. He reached out to me and he said, hey, I think you need to pray about this opportunity at New Hope Church to be the next senior pastor there. I didn't really wanna pray that prayer. 
I loved it where we were at. We weren't looking to leave. But I had prayed this bold prayer last summer. And I had told God I'm available. And so I felt like out of being faithful and obedient to the prayer I had prayed, I had to pray about it. And, and please don't take this the wrong way. It's not meant to sound anything other than honest. I didn't know anything about New Hope Church. I didn't know anybody who had ever worked at New Hope Church. I'd never even been to this part of the state. So I am just praying kind of blind, bold prayers now. Like, Lord, you just guide and you just direct. And, and then what, what God did is he began to make things clearer and he began to make things clearer. And as I talked with the search team and, and, and what started to become even more clear was this was actually, in fact, where God was calling us. And then I had to go sit down with my kids and confess that I had prayed this bold prayer <laughs> that God had decided to answer. And God called us here. And it hasn't passed me that our God was good enough to let us start in June of this year. And that I'm getting to share this story with you on the day before our son, Sam, starts the eighth grade in a new school. So God was faithful to answer that prayer. Um, but there's a few things I need to kind of say. And I told you the first point, aren't you glad I told you the first point was gonna take a long time, right? Okay. First of all, in no way do I think that God stirring that and working in my life means that Vaughn Forest Church is not gonna make a greater kingdom impact moving forward. I love that church. I love the people there. God is gonna use that church in greater ways than ever before. And God needed to call somebody else there to lead them into that new season. And uh, I'll be their biggest cheerleaders. Let me tell you about the people of Vaughn Forest Church. On my last Sunday, they flew Brooke down, who's the chair of the search team here, and had her speak in the service. And then they publicly prayed over, commissioned, and formally sent our family to New Hope Church. That's the kind of people Vaughn Forest Church is. So God's gonna keep doing great things. The other thing I wanna make sure I'm super clear about is it's, I don't think that now that I'm here, God can start doing awesome stuff. That's not what I think, okay? That's not what I think. Like the story of New Hope Church for over two decades has been God doing great things. Great things. And many of you have been a part of that. And many brothers and sisters were a part of that. And now some of them have moved on to other places. Some of them are now with the Lord and we're gonna keep standing on their shoulders. But just for a second, we did not move up here to do anything other than experience God doing greater things. We didn't move up here to do anything other than make a greater kingdom impact for the next 20 to 25 years. And I don't got a blueprint and I don't have a game plan, but can I tell you what I think God wants to be up to for the next 20 to 25 years? Is that okay? If we just talk about that for a few minutes. Can we do that for a few minutes, okay? All right, all three of you. Can we do that for a few minutes? All right, that's better, that's better, okay? So let me tell you what I think God's gonna do in the next 20, 25 years. So we just sang in the light. Our worship team has been walking in the light. Get it right, walking in the light. Our worship team has been writing these songs. You're gonna start hearing more about that this fall. Here's what I think God's gonna do over the next couple decades. Those songs were written by this house for this house, but I think in the next 20 to 25 years, those songs are gonna be sung all over the world. That's what's gonna happen. That's what's gonna happen. Greater kingdom impact. Let me tell you what's gonna happen. We're gonna literally in this church, we're gonna raise up the next generation of pastors and missionaries. That's what we're gonna do in this church, okay? 
Some of you serve in the kids' ministry and, and that little first or second grader or, or that fourth grader that you know, kinda gets on your nerves a little bit, wait till you see what God does with his or her life and you're a part of it. Let me tell you, we're gonna do our student ministry. We're gonna launch teenagers out into the real world equipped to walk with Jesus and make a difference. That's what we're gonna do. We have community partners here that we partner with. I just talked to some folks after the last service. They were on their way to the Durham Rescue Mission. And, and, and God is using us to make a great impact locally. But church, God is just getting started. God wants to use this church to be a church that serves this community with no strings attached, to let people know there's a God who loves you, who sent his son for you. And we're just getting started on what we're gonna do here locally to make a difference moving forward. We're gonna continue to go to the Dominican Republic. And let me tell you what's gonna happen. God is gonna use Pastor Ezekiel and that ministry to launch a great movement in that nation. That's what's gonna happen. We're gonna have global partners on every single continent. God's gonna point the way. He's gonna show us what that looks like. We're gonna see revival break out on the campuses of Duke University and the University of North Carolina. That's gonna happen. That's gonna happen. See, this is what our God wants to do. God says, who's on board? Let's go. So what are we supposed to do now? Like, is this the part where you like roll out like a, a vision statement and ask us to give above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings? No, that's not what I'm gonna do, okay? <laughs> not what I'm gonna do, right? I mean, maybe at some point we have a you know, pithy statement. I, I like reach, teach, release. That works for me. It's biblical and that's what we've been called to do. But can I tell you what we will do? Like, what's the strategy around here? Here's the strategy around here. We're just gonna keep stacking wood. Stacking wood? What are you talking about? It's one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. So Elijah, Old Testament prophet. There's Old Testament prophets, man. I'd have been friends with those guys. They just didn't care. They picked a fight on a Tuesday. I love it, right? It's just fantastic, right? So Elijah's like, hey, here's what we'll do. We're gonna stack up some wood and I'm gonna pour water on it just to make a point. I think that's why I like him so much is he went out of his way, right? He's got a little bit of an edge. I'll pour some water on it. And he's gonna stand back and stare at that wood that he poured water on. And he's basically like, hey God, unless you send down fire, we all look foolish. I'm paraphrasing, right? And what does God do? God sends down a fire that not only consumes the wood, it consumes the water, and it consumes the soil all around it. So we are in the wood stacking business, church. What we will do is we will keep stacking wood and we will call on God. And so when God sends down his fire, it will blaze for all to see. That is what we will keep doing here. Now, if I had a stool, I'd sit down for a second. Not because I'm tired. I don't get tired, all right? Not when I'm preaching, all right? But I would sit down because anytime I'm gonna tell you something I don't think you're gonna like, that's when I'd sit down, all right? So let's visualize he's about to tell us something we don't like, okay? We can miss out on all of that. See, God's not tied to New Hope Church. Y'all do get that, right? God, God wants to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. He might just pass us on by and go to the church down the road. And then say, will y'all cheer me on from there? That's a great question. Do we just want revival when it happens here or do we just want revival, period? Great question, okay? Now, here's the thing. I don't wanna miss out. Here's how we can miss out. By failing to recognize that every great move of God never got stopped from the enemy. It always died from the inside. Because God's people couldn't get along. Because God's people kept murmuring because God's people carried bitterness towards one another. 
Because God's people sat in dissension instead of pursuing unity. Let me correct myself, fighting for unity. See, there are some fights worth fighting. And in a moment of challenge, some of y'all are fighting the wrong fight because you're fighting with each other. I know it's been a tough year. I know it's been a tough year. But a lot of churches have gone through a tough year. A lot of churches have gone through tough seasons. It's really not easy anywhere this day, these days, church. But here's what God's asking of us. Will you stay together? Will you be unified? Will you set aside some differences? Will you go to your brother and sister and ask for forgiveness or offer forgiveness? See, church, there is a way we miss out on what God wants to do, and that's by our lack of unity. So as we keep stacking wood, here's my challenge. Can we do that unified? And that was God's idea, not mine. The first sermon series, you can ask my wife. I had already told her. First sermon series I'm gonna preach at New Hope Church is on the book of Philippians. I love Philippians. It's just fantastic. And the day before I started here, God said, no, First John. First John. Let's talk about what it looks like to love God and love each other. So church, God has some great things in store for us in the future, and I'm just so grateful that we get to do it together, and I can't wait to see what God does in the future. But we got four more points, all right? So let's keep going, all right? We got four more, all right? We got four more. I told y'all, told you. Verse 16, gave you a warning. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead you to death, you should pray, and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. Now, we don't have full time to unpack all that, but I gotta give a little bit of clarity. The sin that leads to death is a sin where you think you can get to God any other way than through his son, Jesus Christ, okay? So we'll come back to that maybe at some point down the road, but I need to focus on the other part of the passage for today. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. So let's talk about sin that does not lead to death, and let's talk about brothers and sisters, and then the application for how to walk with God over the long haul. Here it is. Keep watch over your brothers and sisters. It's part of how you walk with God for the long haul. Part of walking with God for the long haul is not making it all about you. Me making it all about me, making sure we're watching out for one another. And the specific context of this passage are brothers and sisters in Christ that aren't exactly walking in the light right now. They've wandered off track. They're sinning and liking it. Don't you act like you don't know what that's like. <laughs> Some of you all spent significant seasons of your life doing that, okay? Here's the term that the preacher I grew up under used. He said it was called backsliding. Anybody ever heard about that in church? Some of y'all backsliding. I look, it's not in the Bible, but it's fun to say, all right? Backsliding, backslidden. Some of y'all backsliding. And here's the context of this passage. If you know somebody who is backsliding, go after them. Don't just leave them alone. Don't just let them deal with the consequences of their choices. Don't do that, right? Go after them. Love them. I bet there was a time in your life where somebody came after you. When we gather with God's people, one of the best things about that is looking around and seeing who we see. I've loved getting to talk to so many of you and hearing your story. It, it just is life-giving to my soul. And I know it's life-giving to you as well, but can I issue kind of a family challenge? Here's a family challenge. Let's not get so caught up on who we do see that we forget to look for who we don't see. 
Who used to be here? Who used to be in the student ministry? Who used to be in your discipleship group? Who used to participate with you when we served in the community? Who used to sit with you in church? And for whatever reason, it's just been a minute. And, and when you're in that season of not exactly walking in the light, again, you lost your salvation or anything like that. You're just not actively walking in the light. Here's the question on your mind. I know, because I've been there. Here's the question on your mind. Will God's people only love me when, I'm do, when I do what I'm supposed to? Will God's people only love me as long as I don't actively do the things I'm not supposed to do? That's called conditional love. Oftentimes what people are looking for in that place, in that season, is whether or not another brother or sister in Christ even notices or cares. Would you be that person? You reach out to them, invite them to lunch, grab coffee with them, let them know you love them with no expectation that they change, but just letting them know that they matter. See, part of keeping watch over brothers and sisters for the long haul is God will actively, actively use you to be a part of their story of redemption. He'll use you. Some of you don't think God wants to use you because you don't preach or you don't teach or you don't lead this or you don't do that, but you know some people like I'm describing and maybe if you reach out to them, that might be the greatest way God uses you on your time on earth. It's powerful. So keep watch over your brothers and sisters. Verse 18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Born of God being the key phrase here. The one who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under control of the evil one. Now we unpacked that a few weeks ago, that last part. So we're not gonna talk about that today. We're gonna focus more on the part of being born of God. So here's the application I want you to jot down. Daily align your behaviors with your identity. If you wanna walk with God for the long haul, every single day, align your behaviors with your identity. If you're a Christ follower, you have been given a new name. You have a new identity. And the process of discipleship, the process of sanctification is matching up your behaviors with your new identity. This is what it looks like for all of our life. But, but just for a second, I, I, wanna, I wanna talk to some of y'all in this room and, and joining us online. And this is not meant to sound judgmental. It's, 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 it's intention is to give you some hope and maybe even offer you a little bit of freedom. The reason why you have such a challenge aligning your behaviors with an identity is because you actually never changed your identity. You were never born again. You were never born of God is what this passage says. Written by John, who also wrote the Gospel of John, who in John chapter three, we get this amazing discussion with Jesus and Nicodemus around a campfire and Jesus tells Nicodemus, you gotta be born again. This is where we get John 3, 16. It's in the context of this conversation. And Nicodemus is like, how can I be born again? And Jesus explains it to him. And now John is saying, you must be born of God. And I love that scripture is super clear on this because see, there's nothing ambiguous about birth, nothing. I was there three times. There is nothing ambiguous about birth. Lots of things happen. Is it okay if I share? No, I'm kidding. I won't do that, all right? <laughs> Lots of things happen, right? I mean, it, it is not ambiguous. Like you go in a room and there's all kind of activity and you can count one, two, three, four. And about 30 minutes later, one, two, three, four. Oh, there's five. There's a fifth person in the room. And they wrap that little guy in a, in a thing that looks like a burrito and they stick him on this little dish or something and they, they take a piece of paper and they literally not only write the name of the baby, they write the time the baby was born. They do that, right? And they slap it up there and you sit down and your extended family brings you Chick-fil-A. That's how it works, okay? <laughs> That's how it works. 
Done it three times, I know the drill, all right? I know the drill. And I love that the Bible uses this idea of being born, because it leaves nothing to question. And after those little babies are born, you better celebrate every 365 days that you didn't kill them. That's what you're celebrating every single year, okay? And if you miss one of those, that's not good parenting. That's just how it works. So we celebrate new life every single year, okay? But for some reason, and it's more prevalent in the South than it is in other parts of the country, there are a lot of people who just say things like, well, I've just kind of always been a Christian. Really? That sounds ambiguous to me. I was born into a, a Christian home. Well, Christianity is not a birthright. Like, you don't have to give me the date, like your birthday, but can you at least give me a story? Can you at least tell me how you got convicted of your sin? Broken of your sin? Recognized your need for a savior? Asked him to come into your life and save you and drove that stake in the ground? See, if you can't give me that story, you're probably expending a lot of effort trying to align behaviors with an identity you never changed. And God's the one who wants to change your identity. There's nothing you have to do to do it. It's not your own effort that changes your identity. It's accepting salvation. It's a free gift by grace through faith. And for some of you, that's where you are. And listen, it's a great thing to recognize that. You don't need to beat yourself up. You don't need to think you did anything wrong, but you do need to get that figured out. You don't need to go throughout the rest of your life wondering whether or not you've been born again. You don't have to have everything figured about God to accept Jesus as a savior. You don't have to have everything figured about Jesus to accept Jesus as your savior. Why do I know that? Because Jesus said you need a childlike faith. A childlike faith to accept the free gift of salvation. And for some of you, today is going to be your day of salvation. I'm gonna give you that opportunity here in just a few minutes. But let's keep going, verse 20. We also know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. I love that. So that we may know him. I love that too. Who is true? Understanding to know God. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. You wanna walk with God for the long haul? Here's, here's the next action step. Keep discovering the wonder, and it is a wonder, of knowing and understanding God. Just stay after it. Just keep chasing after God. Just say, God, I actually wanna know you. I wanna understand you. I'm not gonna always connect the dots, but I want to know you. God, I don't wanna ever get complacent. I don't wanna get to the end of my life and and realize I just settled for a second-rate relationship with you where I just kinda went through the drill and did the church things. No, God, I wanna know you, and I wanna understand you. And God's word says we can. See, God's word is it's just full of so many rich things. So for example, in the book of Isaiah, this is, woo, this is what it says. It says, God's ways are not our ways. Can I get an amen, right? Amen. Yes, man, there's been so many times in our life, it's like, I don't know what God is up to. Oh yeah, God's ways are not our ways. But it doesn't say you can't learn God's ways. See, if God's ways are not my ways, it stands to reason I better get to know God better if I wanna see what he's up to. See, you can start to see God at work if you start to know God better. And usually that makes sense looking backwards. You go through a season in your life and you think, where was God and what was he up to? And I can't believe he would let this happen and five years pass and 10 years pass or 15 years pass and you just keep 
chasing after God, pursuing God, knowing God. And then one day, you see it. I can see where God was at in that season. He was actually there. And at the time, I would have told you God's ways are not my ways. But boy, all these years later, after chasing after God, I see so clearly what God was up to. See, God is always up to stuff, church. God is always looking, pursuing. And here's what he's asking. Who's pursuing me? Who's pursuing me? Let me share my life verse with you because this verse, it keeps me going. It's kept me going through a lot of seasons in my life. Second Chronicles 16, nine. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I remember reading this verse as a 16-year-old kid and it wrecked me because I just wanted to be one of those people. I wanted to be one of those people that when God scanned the earth, that he somehow, and I still am, am just, this is why it's my favorite verse, that he would actually stop. That he's scanning the earth and he would stop. And, and, and I remember at 16, God kind of making me see this in his word. And, and every, every time I've studied this passage since, he keeps making me see this in his word. Well, Adam, if that's what you want, there's a condition to that verse. And the condition to that verse is those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Where's your heart? See, church, God is after your heart. He's not after your perfection. He's not after your performance. He's not trying to chase down your past. He wants your heart. And when God has your heart and he knows he has your heart, what God's word says is that he scans the seven to eight billion people on this planet that he literally stops and he locks in on you. And here's what he says, I'll strengthen that one. We could all use some more strength these days. So where do I get the strength to face this life? It only comes from God, our Father. But here's what he is looking for, hearts that are committed to him. Don't stop pursuing God. Don't you give up on knowing God. Don't you give up on understanding God. You may be walking through a season of darkness right now. You may be walking in a dry desert right now. And God says, keep walking Keep chasing after me. Keep pursuing me because I'm looking for hearts that are fully committed to me and he will strengthen you. It's the promise of his word. And then we're gonna end. First John. With a verse that feels like after everything we've talked about, it completely goes in a different direction. So let's see if we can see the verse for what it is and maybe even tie it in to what we've talked about today. Last verse of First John. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. It's a strange way to end a letter. There's no salutations. There's no until we see each other again. It just gives a directive. Hey, keep yourselves from idols. And so what is the application for us if we wanna walk with God for the long haul? Don't ever let your guard down. Don't ever let your guard down. Keep yourself from idols. Some of your translations may say, guard yourselves from idols. This word guard is a very interesting word in the New Testament because it means two different things simultaneously. See, the first understanding of this word guard is the way that you would guard a small child who needs protection. So you are standing watch over this small child. You are guarding this small child. You are making sure that nothing or no one can harm this small child. And so you guard. But see, this word guard also means that you would guard a prisoner, someone who's dangerous, someone who could inflict harm on others. And so you are standing watch 
and you are guarding, but that's very different than the idea of guarding an innocent child who needs protection. And this is the word that's used as a command to us to guard our hearts. Interesting. So what does that mean? I think it means we have to ask a couple of questions. One, how are you guarding you from you? Prone to wonder, says the old hymn. How are you guarding your heart? You've gotta be proactive about that. You can't let your guard down. So how are you doing that? But see, here's the second understanding. Who have you invited in to guard you from you? This is why all of us need one another. We need other people to speak into our lives when they see us getting off course. Is there someone in your life right now that could talk to you about that and you wouldn't be offended, you would feel loved because they're helping guard you from you. We all need people who will help us in that area because see, our hearts will wonder. And our hearts will wonder to things that seem like they will fill the void that only Jesus will fill. Sometimes that is material things like money or possessions or some type of substance. Sometimes it's more immaterial in nature like success or significance or purpose. And what God has to constantly remind us of is come back to me. Guard your heart. Would you bow your head with me for a second? There's some of you here today, you, you've been born again. You're not perfect, but, but you have the assurance of your salvation. But in a moment of honesty, God didn't have your heart. He doesn't have your heart. It's wondered. Can I give you some good news? His eyes are still scanning the earth looking for you. And maybe as we go into a time of response, you just talk to him about what's been going on. And then there's others of you, you just haven't been born again. Maybe it's because you just kind of got lost along the way. Maybe you've just been obstinate and defiant towards God. I don't need God. I'm good enough. Whatever the reason is, can I challenge you? Why on earth would you go another day on this earth on your own? You don't have to have it all figured out to accept Jesus Christ as your savior. It's a free gift. But I would really love for you to be able to leave our time together today with the assurance of knowing you've been born again. And so if that's where you're at, it's not the words you say, it's the condition of your heart. But right where you sit, on campus or online, would you just pray this prayer? Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I need you. Jesus, I believe you went to the cross for my sin. And you paid the price for my sin. So my sin isn't keeping me from God. It's my lack of believing in who you are. And I wanna change that today. I wanna accept what you did for me on the cross. 
I believe that you walked out of the tomb and that you're alive and you're the only one that can offer me eternal life. And I wanna ask you to come into my life and save me. And Jesus, from this day forward, my life belongs to you. You're not just my savior, you're also my Lord. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, everybody's heads are still bowed. I just wanna pray for you this week. Would you mind just kind of slipping your hand up just so I can see, so I can pray for you this week? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So church, we're gonna receive communion together for the last time in our In the Light teaching series. And for those of you who just prayed to receive Christ, this is the first time you get to receive communion because communion is for believers. It's for those who have been changed and transformed by the blood of the lamb. So for those of you who just prayed to receive Christ before we receive communion together, can I just say this? Hey, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. And as we take of the bread, we're reminded Jesus let his body be broken for us so that we might be rescued, reconciled back to God. And as we drink from the cup, we're reminded it was only through the shedding of Jesus' blood that we experience forgiveness for our sins. And so Jesus, what do we say but thank you? Lord, for those of us whose hearts have wandered astray, call us back to yourself. Lord, for those of us who have just begun a faith journey with you, may you plant in our heart from day one a desire to walk with you for the long haul. Lord, for those of us who have let bitterness or resentment set in towards another brother or sister, may we, as we sing this song, seek that brother or sister out and love them. We don't wanna get to the end of our life and look back and ask what could have been. So Lord, we're asking you to move. We're asking you to pour out your spirit. We're asking you to send revival. Lord, we're asking you to do it again. Lord, we know what you've done. We, we see what you've done in your word. God, we see what you have done in our lives. And God, what we're asking is that you would do immeasurably more moving forward than we could ever ask or imagine. And so Lord, we say thank you that we get to be a part of it for such a time as this. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.